You're listening to the One Young World Diaries, a Deloitte Indonesia podcast that brings you conversations on social impact issues and everything on One Young World, the biggest young leaders platform, with me, Gia, as your host throughout the series. Enjoy! Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, one of the first sessions for the One Young World Diaries series uh, for the podcast. And we here have a very cool guest with us today, Tom Marshall from uh, Deloitte, Netherlands. But he's actually originally from the UK. And we've met during this One Young World Summit. Um, So for those of you who are listening, I have to explain that Tom Marshall is an award-winning speaker, a life coach, and innovation consultant. And he went to the Rotterdam School of Management um, at Erasmus University in the Netherlands. And he's lived there for seven years. So Tom, maybe you want to share a little bit about yourself and about the work that you do? Sure. Yeah, thank you for the introduction. My name is Tom Marshall, originally from the UK, as you can tell by my accent, but living in the Netherlands now for seven years. Um, What I do is I work within innovation, specifically within tax and legal. And everything I do is really around the human side of change. So helping people to better understand what's happening in our world and to transform these perceived fears or threats of technology into actual opportunities. And alongside that, I have my own foundation called Extraordinary Life, where I help people to find more meaning in their work and in their life in general. Wow. So actually, that really leads up to the question of like what One Young World meant to you. Can you describe exactly why you applied or what was the selection process for the One Young World and how did that connect with the work that you do? Sure. So our country tax leader um, knew about the work that I do with my foundation um, and my interest in social innovation and social impact. And from that, he put me forward to um, the rest of the exec in the Netherlands. And I think there are a few people put forward and then I was fortunately uh, chosen. So I was very privileged to be uh, selected uh, for this event. Yeah, I think what I wanted to also share is that there are people in Deloitte who do feel um, that they would like to pursue a purpose that is other than just technicals, that there is a social impact um, movement that they would like to initiate or be a part of and this is where the one young world program kind of facilitates this inspiration so what did it mean for you to be a delegate once you've already attended the one young world how can you describe the experience for you if you can say it in one sentence Sure, I'll try. So for me, it helped me dream more about what's possible and be inspired by fellow young leaders from around the world. How how did that change your current foundation or it just further amplified what you want to do with it? I think when you see lots of people your age or even younger and you see the amazing impact they've made, it sort of raises your standard of what's possible, hence the dreaming more. So for me right now, I'm actually considering how can I evolve my foundation, which is very much operating as more of a service provider wider in, in the uh, meaningful work future education space and how can I actually evolve that into more of a social movement so opening up the way that we work opening up our channels and empowering others to actually not only to provide the workshops that we currently provide of our team but also to actually challenge the system of work and education which we operate within so that could be helping students to actually take charge of their own education and speak to academics or professors or the institutions that govern that but it could also be to empower professionals to actually change their organizations from within changing their cultures uh, making their work more more meaningful not just through 
um, attending workshops and getting inspiration, but also for actually changing the structures which they operate within. Wow, that actually sounds really like impactful for the education sector. Is it possible for you to maybe share with us a link later um, and to describe on like whether how else can we learn about your foundation? So for those who are in Indonesia who would really like to learn more about this can probably check that out. Wonderful. Yeah, I can share a link to my website. And also I did a TED style talk at a Future of Learning conference earlier this year in Amsterdam. So I can also share a link uh, to that. So it would be great to hear from, from the listeners out there about their own experience with meaningful work, how they find meaning and can, of course, also connect with me on, on that. You know, of course, all of the plenary sessions were incredibly significant and they raised really important core issues but which one really resonated with you which one was the most prominent for you and and why i think in general people remember experiences which are incredibly emotional where they really are engaged mm -hmm. and in general what i've learned was that you can know about these things through the news you can read stats you can read data you can read articles about all the different issues but until you really hear it from firsthand from someone that's gone through that experience you don't really feel it at a deep, profound, emotional level. And so the one that keeps coming back to my mind was the um, speech of the North Korean uh, defector, the, the lady who had, at a young age had, had managed to escape from North Korea into China, and then in, in her words, had to choose between rape or death, which is yeah. um, very extreme, very emotional example, which really resonates with me, um, talking about child sex trafficking and then eventually her story of escaping into um, South Korea but then essentially being lambasted as, as a whore or, or something like that because of what she'd been forced to do. So it was a very harrowing, um, awful story which engages your emotions but also I think these kind of stories give give hope as well about despite all the suffering that people go through, humans are amazingly ab able to get get through it and, and become stronger yeah. as a result of it. And now for her to share her story of what she's experienced and to explain to the world that uh, North Koreans are just people too, you know, and they have hopes, they have dreams just like you and me. Um, I'm getting goosebumps just remembering her speech, actually. I think the whole hall at the Central Hall was just in tears listening to her, and we were really moved. And you're completely right. I, I agree that it's the emotion that is missing a lot when you are you know, simply reading the story or just listening it from other people, but really hearing it from the people who experienced it and them just raising the issue of how they persevered through all of that is really giving us hope that people do have strength and they need help. That's why the message was trying to be conveyed to the people that, you know, we as the One Young World community should really get together and understand these issues and find ways to help other people who are in similar situations. Absolutely. Um, so I know this is quite a, a twist, but I know that you are also really passionate about the climate emergency and the climate crisis because we've talked uh, during our One Young World Summit and I've had the pleasure to, to discuss with you on several of these things but I would like to pass on the message to the listeners on like what did we hear about you know climate emergency because to be honest in Indonesia there are so many issues that are so 
imminently in your face, like on just poverty and the lack of appropriate education, that sometimes the issues of climate change can be buried. So, uh, yeah, could you maybe share on on why that's important for you? Sure. I mean, from the One Young World event itself, I think what really came through is that this is not a crisis that will happen in the future if we don't do something now. Mm -hmm. But really, it's a crisis that's happening now. Right now, there are people around the world suffering from this crisis. And I think particularly in Western Europe, we forget that. I mean, it feels a bit further away. But, you know, you had speeches from people in the Pacific Islands whose islands are actually sinking or being flooded far more frequently and ultimately won't exist anymore in in a couple of decades. You had speeches from people in in certain African countries who couldn't predict when the raining season would would come anymore. So they didn't know when to plant their crops and therefore were having food shortages. So these problems are happening right now as as we speak. And I mean, in in Indonesia, of of course, there are other pressing issues as there are in other countries. But I guess it's quite big news that you recently decided to move your entire capital city in the future because of of, of the flooding and because it's sinking into the into the ground mm-hmm. um and, and due to the sea level rise that's a massive thing and so it's it's happening now and actions are being taken and i think that's really key to, to understand and that if world leaders say that okay by 2050 we'll be carbon neutral then they are actively deciding to sacrifice millions if not a billion people around, around the world who are suffering its consequences already yeah i mean i think that the indonesian people would really have to start to realize that jakarta as its capital city could be the first mega city that would actually be sinking underwater if no one is acting on the issue of climate uh, climate crisis in in the country and we are also i mean i think people tend to overlook because it might like you said, it might not directly impact them per se in their day-to-day lives, but they have to realize that there are people that are probably their neighbors who are impacted. Like in Indonesia, there was these huge forest fires that really polluted Singapore and Malaysia and, you know, children were unable to breathe a proper air and then, uh, you know, they got really, really sick. And I think these, the young Indonesian people should really start to kind of ask their organizations. And I think that was the whole point of the One Young World, yeah, to really, for the the, the young people to put out their voices and really um, try to make movement for people to try to be a part of the solution. Absolutely. I mean, it is as, as simple as was, was said there, you are either part of the problem or part of the solution. And it is, it is really that that black and white. And, um, you know, the, the idea that it takes many people to stand and do nothing for evil to prevail. And I think, unfortunately, that's what's happening right now. Yeah. And, and we heard also, right, like during the summit from a lot of big corporations, but they were trying at least to convey the message that they really implement programs to minimize waste and uh, to minimize, you know, especially plastic usage to try to do the whole circular economy where they actually just reuse all the stuff that they produce. And so everything is basically, you know, you're not producing what they call virgin plastic anymore. I thought that was quite innovative. And I could see that there's hope that, you know, if people really put in the money and the time to work on this climate crisis, that some change can actually happen definitely and change is already happening i believe in in the minds of the people you know if you look in europe the 
prioritization of the climate crisis as being a number one issue uh, has really gone up massively in the last few months down, down to a lot of the protests happening from Fridays for Future or Extinction Rebellion. And I think changes changes on the horizon. So that that's comforting. Um, but uh, what also needs to be realized is that despite all the actions in the last um, couple of decades, uh, CO2 emissions are still rising, you know, and we haven't made a, a dent in it yet. So there's a lot of work to be done, but, but there is some hope. Yes, and this is where the, the young people would come in to actually be a part of the solution and not be a part of the pollution. All right, Tom, so can you tell me what are your insights into the direction of the overall climate emergency movement? Well, we've evolved from a past situation of being very much focused on the consumer, saying that we should recycle more, use less plastic bottles. But what we actually see is that the impact of that has been very small, and that's because it's mainly the businesses that produce the emissions in the supply chain. So there needs to be much more pressure on businesses and emphasis on that and not allowing ourselves to be blamed as the consumer for consuming things when the choice is provided to us with not much choice between, for instance, different sorts of bottles that you can buy when everything is, is non-recyclable. So if you look at the current movements happening right now, you have Fridays for Future uh, to start, which of course started from Greta Thunberg. And the idea of that was really having students marching on the street, putting pressure on their governments for the future of the planet that they have to grow up in and, and showing strong pressure against what's being done or the lack of what's being done. Greta Thunberg said, you know, the house is on fire um, and really we need to act as if it is because it really is on fire, as right. sad as that sounds. Uh, and then you also have the recent rise of Extinction Rebellion, which is the fastest growing um, non-violent uh, civil disobedience movement. So that's very much focused on really putting strong pressure on governments through causing disruption to the status quo because as we have seen petitions and marches have and are being ignored so taking it a step further if we're really in a situation of crisis or climate war then desperate times require desperate measures to put real government pressure on here uh, and yeah. I was actually speaking to a couple of people from fossil fuel companies um, during the time my time at the conference there and they really said we need a carbon tax we need government to take the lead on that because of course they are also part of a system wanting to maximize their profits and so there needs to be a system on there which will push them away from from fossil fuels and really make them direct their investment in renewables um, which uh, despite their very strong marketing is not actually happening uh, right now something that you said earlier i think was really important because essentially this is a climate war like as in climate crisis war so we really do have to treat it as this imminent threat to the human existence which really needs collaboration from everyone including the governments especially the governments like you said taking the lead and then the industry players who cannot fully blame everything on you know the consumers anymore because they are actually providing with the supply and the choices uh, to these consumers so it really has to be a collective effort from everyone Everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the point about it being a climate war, I mean, if we really understood this is wartime, this is beyond politics, that would bring a sense of unity and a sense of urgency. I mean, if you look at how uh, Western governments responded in the times of the Second World War, British government, for instance, put aside politics and formed what's called a government of national unity, where the Conservatives and the Labour Party, they come together and said, right, this is a national crisis. All industry is going to be focused on the war efforts. You're going to start planting potatoes. You're going to start making aeroplanes, and we're going to tackle this. And right. that's the kind of urgency which is needed, I believe, if governments really understood this and would say, right, solar panels is the way forward. We're going to have to invest in that. 
this is yeah. the money we're going to throw in it. These are the taxes that we need to do because this is an emergency. And, and that that's really, we've seen it's possible to have that national unity in times of crisis in the past. I do have faith that it, it is possible going forward. Yeah, I think it's just like really putting it in the minds of these government leaders and industry players that they do have a key role in taking, you know, the lead here for initiating this, what you call the national unity. Um, so hopefully, uh, like you said, if they can do that in times of war, and this is a similar case in times of a climate war, that they should be able to to pull the resources for this. Absolutely. And of course, it's also about international cooperation as well, which was also done in, in times of war but it starts at a national level to keep the national identity and really showcase the importance uh, in our local areas also to to tackle this crisis brilliant isn't that just so insightful and mind-blowing like this is really just a very urgent issue that everyone needs to get on board and we need to put pressures on organizations on governments and on everyone to you know, continue putting pressures into their organizations, into their communities, and really pull together this unified front to solve the climate issue. Amazing. I know we have to wrap this up, but if you can have final message for the youth of today, what would you tell them? Wow, big question. Um, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. If I would have a final message, what would I say? I believe don't sell yourself short in life. Don't tolerate meaningless and mediocrity. Strive for to do the things in life that excite you, that make an impact you believe in. And that's difficult. It's hard. It takes work. But dare to dream and dare to try that. And if you do, and you go down that path, I'm sure you'll have a really fulfilling, meaningful existence whilst also helping many other people around the world. That's amazing, Tom. I love that. I'm definitely going to use that as as, as my <laughs> a part of my mantra. Okay, thank you so much, Tom. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let you go now and do your work. Um, yeah. Thank you again Wonderful. for your time. Bye-bye. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on One Young World Diaries. Make sure to follow Deloitte Indonesia's podcast so you'll never miss out on hearing from today's youth changemakers and One Young World ambassadors. See you on the next episode.